Welcome to The Climate Imperative, the podcast that dives deep into the actions and strategies of influential leaders in business and government as they tackle the pressing issues of climate change. Your hosts, Charlie and Michael, bring with them decades of technology and customer journey experience at companies like HP, Citrix, Sage, and Yahoo, and will bring you guests that want to share ideas for a more sustainable and resilient world. Let's go. Normally, at the beginning of each episode of The Climate Imperative, this is where I would insert a description of the organization, the role of the guest that we're going to be speaking to. But today, our guest, Jenna, did such a great job describing the mission of Hightower that I decided to just insert the description that she did here. To simply and positively impact places where people work, learn, and socialize while helping create access to better spaces for all. And it's that mission that makes this episode so intriguing and had us so excited to speak with Jenna about Hightower because it's not just a furniture company. It is a company with a mission. And every aspect of their process caters to that mission, which is a company that designs healthy indoor spaces through sustainable practices. Jenna, tell us a little bit about your background, how you came to find yourself over at Hightower. Let's see, my first job out of college was doing affordable housing development, which combined my love of the built environment with my passion for making a difference. My career has included many aspects of commercial real estate. I kind of say I'm the jack of all trades. It includes consulting, a real estate investment trust, title insurance company, architecture firm, most recently, corporate real estate for a tech company where I had the pleasure of working with you, Michael. Aw, the pleasure was all mine. And then I am still combining my love of the built environment with my passion for making a difference, but this time in the contract furniture industry. I love that. So tell me a little bit about your role as the COO of Hightower. As a COO for Hightower, I work with a team to accomplish our mission, which is to simply and positively impact places where people work, learn, and socialize while helping create access to better spaces for all. So I'm super thrilled to be aligned with a company that values more than just making a dollar, as is evidenced by our recent B Corp certification and our commitment to sustainability. Hey, Charlie, I think what we'll do is we're just going to go ahead and use Jenna's introduction for the company because it trumps anything that I think you or I could do, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. And and you can definitely tell that you're passionate about it. And yes, uh, we did work together at a tech company. That's where we had the pleasure of meeting and got to work in concert, building out a space. I was yes. part of an acquisition, and it was really nice to see you work with my right hand, Jenna, to kind mm-hmm. of get the space ready. And there was so the much- Jenna pers- team. The Jenna Jenna team. It was awesome. And I think that's part of the reason why I wanted to speak with you because we haven't yet on our podcast spoken with a manufacturer of the things that go into the environment. And it's often Mm -hmm. overlooked, but inside is where people spend their time. And that's Mm -hmm. where I think the word health comes into play. And health is mental, health is physical. And there's so many aspects and facets to that watching, Jenna, how much thought you gave to every single aspect of building out this space for my team back in the day, I knew, okay, Jenna's the person to speak to about this topic. And when I saw that you're at Hightower, I went, oh, this is a slam dunk. We have to get her on. Well, there you go. So Hightower started off as a design company, right? It did. It actually started uh, as an importer of Scandinavian products that consumers in the United States wanted access to, but were, or businesses, but were unable to get because it wasn't like the supply chain today where there's a lot of companies 
in that niche or, and it was 20 years ago. It's our 20th anniversary this year. Congratulations. Thank you. So that's how we started full import. Then over time, it became a combination of import with domestic value add where we're like, if for some of these long lead times or some of the quality, we can import full items. We can do domestic value add. And in some cases, currently, we actually fully domestically produce some of the import product. Along the way, we decided to design our own product. So Hightower Studio, which is the 100% domestically designed and produced part of our business, um, similar design aesthetic, but those products were are 100% made in the United States. As are actually a, 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 only like 5% of our import products are full import. Most everything, even when we have an import partner, we're either 100% making it here or doing significant domestic value add. Yeah, that was going to be a, a question that I had was really around mm-hmm. where the manufacturing takes place. I want to talk a little bit about the materials, right? I think that that's often super important if that's okay. And then I know Charlie has a couple questions, but I think this is going to lend itself to it. So can we talk about, because we were just mentioning health of the Mm -hmm. internal uh, built environment. Can we talk a little bit about VOCs or just the the materials themselves and, and what really goes into what it is you guys do versus what a traditional manufacturer might do in in regards to a a contract supplier for for an organization? Sure. You had already mentioned that when people think about air quality, they're thinking a lot of times about the building envelope or, you know, ventilation, those kinds of things. But really the biggest impact to VOCs are the finishes and the furniture in the space. And so we want Hightower products to contribute to a healthy and not polluted work environment. Um, and so one of the, we've had a really big focus on removing VOCs. And we found two very specific areas that we initially focused on. The way we discovered these is because we, um, having sustainability as a big sort of value and in, in business objective, started pursuing indoor advantage gold. So it's a certification for products that show that the VOC emissions are below the CDPH standards, which are the most stringent worldwide. And as you know, living in California, the California Department of Public Health is a leader in making sure that they have consumer protections, you know, holistically looking at what that looks like. So we started looking at the Indoor Advantage Gold, and our goal was all high tower studio products um, would be Indoor Advantage Gold certified. So when we started, we realized we initially failed testing which is a big wake up call. Um, and we learned two areas where we were able to make an improvement. And in fact, 100% have adopted these. So one is the solvent-based clear finish that was used on our wood products. Those were emitting VOCs. And so we moved to a water-based clear finish. And then we also found the adhesives used to apply foam to the upholstered products to the wood. They emitted VOCs. So we switched to water-based glue. And the, you know, the upside of making those changes It not only uh, impacts the consumer, but our employees have a healthier environment and our suppliers, their employees have a healthier environment as well. Um, Because when when we're thinking about how we impact the world in sustainability, and that's part of what the B Corp is about, it's not just that you're looking one dimensionally, but you're looking three to, you know, 360, not just the end users interacting with our products, but also the environment with the workers in our supply chain. For anyone listening, you know we keep throwing around the acronym VOC, so volatile organic compounds. Uh, you know when you get something that's quote unquote new and it has that certain smell, a lot of times that's off gassing 
Um, and that is the glue or the finishes on things that are brand new that haven't yet fully off gas. That's that, that smell in all, a lot of cases, not all cases, it's actually unhealthy. And in small, you know, doses of a piece of furniture sitting in the corner of your home or your office, whatever, it's not that big of a deal. But when you start looking at things in mass, if you are working in a manufacturing facility, that's a problem. You're around it eight hours a day and it's in high concentration. Or if you order a bunch of furniture for your uh, for your office building, say it's a co-working space, you're going to have, you know, 200 chairs and, you know, 50 desks and tables and all of these things. You don't want high levels of VOCs. And that's one of the things, Jenna, that um, the our the tech side of this that Charlie and I operate um, over at Riviera, we have the ability mm -hmm. to detect those levels because it's very important you know, for commercial customers to be able to understand the health of the space um, that their uh, colleagues are working in. Yeah, absolutely. And in the, you know, that's that lovely smells like a new building, that paint, that carpet, yeah. all of that is not a that great new car actually. smell. Yeah. It's kind of like I might like the smell <laughs> of gasoline, but I don't want to be in a room full of it. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. No, exactly. exactly. Jenna, as more um, organizations start to recognize the importance of you know, their scope, one, two, three uh, em uh, emissions and tracking of their sustainability goals, their carbon footprint, et cetera. Is that part of your vision as well, is that you're now positioning yourself as a supplier that is already more ESG ready than any other of your competitors potentially? Yes, absolutely. And um, actually, we were recently going through a new three-year visioning process, and a lot of it is around is being that a goal. So our right now we're known for our exceptional customer service and our delightful design, but impact is kind of the third level of this leg of that stool. And we actually, the part of our business we're investing in is those two, obviously we want to do a great job with our customers and give them products they love, but the impact that we can make for them and for the world, that's where we're really amping up, putting a lot of our investment in things like you know, we would like to be, you know, as a manufacturer, we'd like to be carbon neutral and eventually carbon negative. So um, definitely impacting other decisions we make, starting with the products that we're making. And do you find that the demand is coming from well, more innovative, forward thinking companies? And is that more in the, the commercial real estate and office space or is it hospitality? So um, definitely we get that in... Um, corporate real estate, more like tech companies, things you would tend to be a little bit more forward thinking and um, have a, maybe a younger workforce that is more informed and more um, particular. Um, so that's an, an important thing. And, and when Michael and I worked in the tech company, a lot of those were the questions that we would get, like, is this a safe environment? And how does the company reinvest their money? And do you have a sustainability statement? All those kinds of things. Um, those are, and then also we do like say a lot of hospital work. There is one of the designations we do. I talked about indoor advantage gold. Uh, we do red list free um, for high tower studio too. Um, and, and all of these things, when I say high tower studio, we do as much as we can for import partners. When we domestically value add or completely domestically produce, we have a lot more control, but we just have more control over what we're actually designing and building. So the red list free, which we don't have any of the red list chemicals that are already identified as toxic, declare. And this is a good example of partnering with our customers. So we have a Kona table, which comes in a lot of sizes and, 
and shapes, but it started from a partnership with a tech company in the Northwest, in the Pacific Northwest. So we were, um, they were looking at expanding their corporate campus and we were just meeting with them to try to understand what was important to them. And sustainability was important. And having a table that has sustainable attributes, also um, products that had ADA compliant options. So for this product line, we looked at that's the that's a product that has the declare label so we actually in the declare um you have to list every single material and product element that's in your product down to 0.01% of weight so it is a significant investment of time and energy and i think that's the trade off and one of the reasons that we go through several of these designations Declare being the most intense, but healthier hospitals is another one. That's where I was getting at with that. But for this Kona table, looking at trying to make sure that we had something we could produce and said, there's nothing in this that you would be concerned about with your, with your um, employees. And not only that, you have an ADA option, which is like most tables are 36 inches. It's 34 inches, which is the perfect height for a wheelchair, and the yeah. base is chamfered, so a wheelchair can actually pull into it. So I think a lot of our clients that are thinking about sustainability are thinking also about that whole, again, the 360, yeah. the sustainability, the um, that it works for everyone, neurodiversity, all of those kinds of things bundled together as 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 part of the, the lens, the fastest that they're looking at for a solution. That's an interesting thing that you bring up, you know, regarding the ADA compliance and and ADA thoughtfulness, right? Is mm-hmm. when when I was involved in building out a small kind of restaurant here, restaurant concept here, and we were working very closely with the city. And and some of the things you think about is it's not just height, right? There's sort of a, a depth as well because you know somebody has to be able to yes. wheel in mm-hmm. to get it yeah, up exactly to, up to their chest, to make it usable. And so we mm-hmm. we. We had designated, hey, these counters have to be this height. And the person who built them out did a great job, but they were they were only nine inches deep underneath, right? So it doesn't really work. It's interesting. You mentioned uh, a company in the Pacific Northwest expanding a campus. I wonder I wonder who that possibly could no, be. Um, clients yeah, this, there, and perhaps in the Bay Area, too. Perhaps, know. perhaps. Yeah, there's companies all over. Don't worry, don't worry yeah. about it, Charlie. Charlie's curious. Um, <laughs> so, so when we talk about developing right the the approach of creating a space that promotes uh, a healthy and productive environment for you know the occupants your your clients can you elaborate on sort of what that process looks like at once somebody engages you at high tower and then what are you seeing in ter- in terms of habits changing right the ie the three day work weeks remote work part time work volunteering to go into the office how is that changing versus what might have existed 10 years ago where you know if a campus can accommodate 2000 people there's going to be you know a 1850 people on that campus any day of the week whereas now it might be 3 to 400 so our work with clients ultimately they're fitting out a space and so we're not as vested into the how into the how many days a week or how many hours of the remote work policy but the big trend we see which is a big win for high tower we do everything in an office except for desks and chairs mm-hmm. you know like task chairs and people are not ordering desk and task chairs because guess what they have a sea of those mm-hmm. what they're ordering is all the ancillary collaborative meeting space and very dynamic and so i think one of the trends in this, and this is also to the sustainability story, is furniture that does more, that doesn't just do one thing. So, you know, when we have, and, and a lot of times that's 
prod product evolution. So we have a gimbal, which is, you know, a chair that like American Airlines might have in their executive lounge. So, I mean, it could be like from a more formal standpoint to a lot, it's used a lot around, you know, in collaborative lounge areas. Well, then people are like, well, we would like this to be more mobile. And so we put it on wheels. We would like it to have an arm. So we make it smaller with an arm. And again, and then we would like it to um, not just face forward, but to be able to do, you know, to rotate, to do a 360 or a 360 with a return. So that kind of functionality, what we're learning is ultimately choice and things doing more than one thing are super yeah. important. And in addition, because so the sustainability is not just what things are made of, sure. but it's how long they're useful. People don't understand what the future of work looks like. So they're trying to hedge their bets. Yeah, that's a great point. How long is it going to be in the space? How long is it going to be useful? It sounds very bespoke. Is there a lot of prototyping involved, which might lead to, I don't want to use the word waste, but I know you guys have, I don't know another word to use. I apologize. Uh, mm -hmm. But I know you guys have really great uh, recycling practices kind of on-prem where you're going to mitigate that, that waste when it comes to maybe prototyping something out. Can you talk a little bit about that program? to minimize waste, promote recycling, the supply chain and manufacturing processes? So, you know, for our employees, we do things that are like, you know, removing styrofoam, recycling on site, low, low flow water devices, bevy machines instead of wa water cans. But as a manufacturer, we have an additional opportunity to reduce waste. Um, for example, we have a, a box maker. So you get just a couple of sides of inbound cardboard and it perfectly makes the box. So you don't have a bunch of cardboard waste. You don't have a lot of air that you're shipping. We digitize our patterns. So, um, and, and they, so it, it nests things. So you reduce the fabric waste by not just putting something side by side, but figuring out where you can flip and rotate it. We recycle production overages, and then we track outgoing waste to measure improvements. Um, in the supply chain, so that's just in-house, in our supply chain, um, we look for like-minded suppliers with recycling programs that use sustainable products and that are willing to be transparent because the sustainability certifications and reporting that we do, both for our own product declarations that we put on our website, but also for our clients, because a lot of times going to trends, clients will ask us, what is your sort of sustainability commitment and how do you you know, what does your supply chain do for that? We need to make sure that we're working with partners that yeah. will be transparent and are, are like-minded. And we actually have a supplier code of conduct, which says, these are the things that are important to us. And we would like for, you know, to understand where you stand on these kinds of things as well. I think that the other side of this, Jenna, is there's mm -hmm. a lot of value in organizations working with an organization like yours and working with a team like yours, right? Because if Let's just because we speak with companies all the time, specifically in real estate development. And one of the biggest concerns or issues we get when we talk to them from a sales perspective, you know, they understand scope one, they went through that, they got their scope two nailed down. Okay, great. And all of a sudden, there's this big chasm of scope three, this void of data and information they really can't get because then they got to reach out. The larger the organization it, it is, the harder it is, right? Because They've got hundreds of suppliers. Those suppliers mm -hmm. maybe aren't being transparent. It's difficult right. for them to really understand what that value chain looks like from a carbon footprint perspective. And that's a big mm -hmm. issue that we come across all the time. And I think that there's a, you guys are leading the way to say, hey, listen, we are being transparent. Our suppliers are transparent. So if you work with us, we're going to be able to give you the information you need to then start becoming more compliant 
when it comes to your reporting and your dashboards. Yeah, absolutely. We've already done the work for you. Just buy from Hightower and you won't That's even it. have to like, we'll cross your T's and dot your I's for you. <laughs> um, someone I bought furniture from years ago said, hey, we're looking for a COO. Would you potentially be interested? And I looked at the website. I'm like, I don't want to work in the furniture industry. And I looked at the website. And I'm like, you had me at hello. Yeah, it was me, yeah. beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> it is. It is actually a very nice website. Yes, at HightowerAccess.com, if I remember the URL correctly. Yes, it's about to change. We're completely upgrading it with even more transparency on sustainability information. So stay tuned for that. But if you go to that URL, it'll lead you to the new site as well. Sounds good. Sounds good. So in a a, a final question, uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, the future and your three-year goal plans what 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 are what are some of the highlights you see coming for you in the future and what what is that strategic three-year plan look like for you so we're at the beginning charlie so you're calling me out on something that's in process but i think again sustainability is a huge initiative for us from how people can typically consider is sustainability in the environment. But for us, we want to be a sustainable business that gives to employees and to the community and um, is, is thoughtful in all that we do. And so that's where a lot of our initiatives are around, trying to make sure that we are doing right by our employees, we are optimizing our partner network, um, and that really, like I said, we continue to be um, more and more rigid and transparent about the products that we make and that they're as healthy as possible. Not only the VOC kind of admissions that we're talking about, but also that they, you know, are supporting, you know, different active postures and neurodiversity and biophilia. So those kinds of initiatives that we have the tools that a company and that we partner with can use to make a an ideal environment. And we, you know, we make our sustainability manager available so they can consult with them. So we can really align our interests. And the more tools we provide to our clients, the easier it is them for them to execute on that. We very much appreciate you coming on today and sharing, you. you know, this story of Hightower, what you and your team are working on and, and what your plans are um, to really carry this mission forward. Fabulous. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you. And we'll talk to you soon. To learn more about today's guest, we'll include all links in the show notes. This episode was made possible by Riviera AI, a sustainability data company that puts all of your ESG and net zero data into one screen. To learn more about Riviera AI, visit www.riviera.ai. Until next time, thank you for joining us on The Climate Imperative.